Don't be a chain. Welcome to the podcast for civic leaders who aren't just in it for the buffet. My name's Duncan Baskaran Brown. Let's be more than a chain. If you want to be a great civic leader, then you're going to need to learn to present yourself in the media. That means you want to meet my good friend Alistair Greener, who's going to give you a bunch of top tips today about how to present yourself better. You also ought to stick around and listen to the network news, media mayor and the mayor of the month. And all of that will help you become a fantastic civic leader. All of that will help you become more than a chain. You want to be in the know? You want to stay in the loop? You want all the best information? Of course you do. It's so important to have the right information at your fingertips to be a fantastic civic leader. And that's why you need to get onto our Facebook group. Type the Civic Network into Facebook. Request to join and I will let you join because I am nice like that. Particularly, you need to get yourself along there because I just put up a little sneak peek of the Unchained 2018 conference. I've just put up there the highlights of a fantastic interview with a fantastic guy by the name of Bob Berg. You really, really need to see these highlights. It'll show you all about what you can learn to become more influential at Unchained 2018. It will whet your appetite. So, Get along to the Civic Network, the group on Facebook. Request to join and you can see this amazing video with Bob and you can join the conversation. You can find out, you can stay in the know, you can keep in the loop. See you there. Coming up on Media Mayor. Big City Mayor tackles big challenges. Mayor, chair, or something else. That's Doctor Advisor Lord Mayor. Pen Power. Mayor for Hope. There's hope for us all. Big City Mayor tackles big challenges. Mexico City's first female mayor will be taking office at the end of the year and Claudia Sheinbaum has some big bold ambitions. Now if you've ever been to Mexico City you might have you might have seen the smog. The city is apparently renowned for its poor air quality and it's something that uh, the new mayor wants to clean up. Now, a lot of the time when uh, new politicians take office, they have lofty ambitions. But I think that Claudia has got a bit of a head start on most because she's actually an environmental scientist and not just any old environmental scientist. She worked with the Intercontinental Panel on Climate Change that actually won a Nobel Prize in 2007. So she's probably got a little bit of experience. What I think is most interesting about what she's doing is she's going straight to the automobile manufacturers themselves. She's going to car companies and saying, how can you reduce your emissions? How can you improve our air quality? Which, let's face it, is more often something we see from national government. So it's, it's great to see that as 
mayor of one of the largest cities on the planet she's got significant clout and she can go and talk to these people so we wish her all the luck and over her time in office she's got some bold bold targets to reduce uh, emissions and increase air quality and for the sake of all of the people that live in mexico city i hope she achieves them <laughs> Mayor, chair, or something else. If you live in West Suffolk, doubtless you are all over the coming merger of Forest Heath District Council and St Edmundsbury Borough Council. It's something that we're going to see a lot more of in local government, I think. Uh, councils getting together, hopefully creating efficiencies and um, passing them on in improved services to the people they represent. But this merger pulls up a particularly interesting sort of issue because obviously it's a district council merging with a borough council. Now the borough council has a mayor, the district council has a council chairman. What is the future council going to have? And they've done something quite good. They've actually decided to run a consultation and ask the people out there what they would like. So. I thought I'd do the same thing. You can drop me a line on info at civiccoach.com. What do you like? Do you like council chairman? Or do you like mayor? Or maybe you've got an idea for something else. I'd be interested in hearing me, uh, hearing from you. So if you live in West Suffolk, I suggest you get involved in the consultation. If you don't, drop me a line at info at civiccoach.com with your opinions, mayor, chair, or something else. That's Dr. Advisor Lord Mayor. Last time on Media Mayor, I told you how former Lord Mayor of Manchester, Carl Austin Bahan, had become Dr. Carl Austin Bahan after receiving an honorary degree. Well, he's gone one better. He's now been appointed as LGBT advisor to Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Greater Manchester. And I think that Andy has done a very sensible thing there and appointed somebody with a lot of knowledge, a lot of skills and a lot of experience. I know that Carl is going to go on and continue to serve his community really, really well. And I think it should hearten all of us that actually if you do do a good job as a civic leader, you can open up some serious doors for yourself you know you could end up as an honorary doctor and an advisor to one of these year big metro mayors so congratulations carl and in fact if you'd like to know a little bit more about carl you can listen to the interview that i did with him on next month's show so uh you better better check that out because carl is a seriously interesting guy pen power I came across a particularly interesting story when I was doing the research for Media Mayor this time. It involved Julie Flattery, the Lord Mayor of Armagh, Bainbridge and Craig Avon. She received a letter from a local schoolboy asking her about the logo that the council used and whether they could um, send him anything with the logo on because he collects logos. That's not particularly inspiring or amazing, but what he chose to do was he chose to write a letter to the Lord Mayor. Yeah, yeah, a letter. Do you remember them? You know, crazy things. They're like uh, they're like emails, but they're kind of on paper and like written down and, you know, handwritten and stuff and put in this odd thing called an envelope. 
and send to people. And the Lord Mayor, unsurprisingly, was, was quite impressed that he'd taken the time to actually write a letter. And you know what? I think people are. The power of letters is so underestimated these days because nobody does it. So as soon as you actually put pen to paper and communicate to people in a way more personal way, I think it really can have a huge effect. So you should uh, definitely, definitely take a leaf out of Julie's book. If some young schoolboy writes to you with a request, you should uh, do all you can to fulfill that request. Invite them to the parlour, show them around. Great PR opportunity, yes, but you know, it's just a good thing to do, a good thing for civic leaders to do. But you could also take a, le a leaf out of Sean, this schoolboy's book. Why not put pen to paper, an actual pen on some actual paper and send a letter to people? You never know quite how big an impact it can have because nobody gets letters anymore. So take advantage of that. Um, I'll put my address in the show notes if you want to write to me, by the way. Mayor for Hope. I can't do this story justice, so I'm going to urge you to just go straight along to the show notes at theciviccoach.com and have a look at the link to to the actual article about this, which which is brilliant. It's a it's a really really heartwarming story about Charlottesville in Virginia. You probably remember about a year ago there were some protests in Charlottesville. The city council had decided it was going to remove a statue of a confederate soldier some people would consider that to be uh, a good thing to do of course the far right don't so much like that so they uh, they had a bit of a protest there was a counter protest there was some incidents some issues people died it was a big thing and charlottesville became kind of a symbol of some of the racial tension that's still going on in America. You probably remember that. It was big news at the time. What you might not have known was that three months after that, Charlottesville actually elected its first black female mayor. And Mayor Walker is a very, very interesting character, a very uh, eloquent speaker, somebody who has dealt very well with the media attention that's that's been placed on her and the uh, anniversary of these tragic events that happened a year ago. So I would urge you to get along and have a look at that article and find out a little bit more about Mayor Walker and Charlottesville and the sort of th the amazing things that the community's doing. I think it's a great example to us all, but unfortunately not something I can pack into two minutes. So go and check it out. <laughs> There's hope for us all. And finally, so the uh, New Zealand rich list has just come out and I thought there was a little bit of hope for all of us uh, contained within it. So on New Zealand's rich list is Queenstown tourism and property investor Sir John Davies who used to be mayor of Queenstown. So there you go. A former mayor has made his country's rich list. So there's hope for us all because I know uh, primarily we got into local government for the glamour, but uh, it's also nice to hear that maybe the riches might be following us. So, so you never know. Keep an eye out for next year's rich list. I might just be on it. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you like buffets? Do you like feeling important? 
Do you like doing things the way they've always been done? Then you are going to hate Unchained 2018. It's the free online conference that will help you throw off the shackles of tradition and become a 21st century civic leader. You'll hear from experts in communication, leadership and local government and meet the best civic leaders from all over the world. Don't miss the civic event of the year. Sign up now at civicleaders.co.uk Buffet not included. Be joined by Alistair Greener. Alistair is a television presenter. He's interviewed countless people. He's a journalist. He's also a fantastic communications trainer. So I think he's somebody we can really call a genuine media expert. So thanks for joining us today, Alistair. Real pleasure. Great to talk to you. And it's, it's a nice, unique situation to be involved in because you have such a niche there that does definitely have requirements of you know expanding your knowledge in this very media savvy world that we live in absolutely and you don't become an, a media expert by putting a big gold chain around your neck do you <laughs> you know what it, it, it's so typical of most people in their lives that i meet when i do my training is that people suddenly find themselves in situations where they're suddenly having to make presentations or they're giving interviews and there's some some having somehow having to interact with people at a level they've never really had to do and it happens with executives a lot but also people in your business where all of a sudden oh my goodness i've got to make sure that i'm communicating well every word i'm going to say is going people are going to listen to they're going to hang on that every word maybe hold it against me so it does put a lot of pressure for people oh good well it's nice to know that we're, we're not entirely alone that uh, there are other people out there and um that you've uh, you've helped some other people in different situations as well so i thought we could start by um just if you would like to tell us a little bit about yourself your background maybe sure my my background originally i was a farmer's son from north cornwall so very different to where i am now and my first business was in hotel management then i got into performing then i and at that even at that stage i was doing some acting presenting and i was already getting into that yeah. communications thing then i decided uh, to become an entertainment officer on board a cruise ship which i thought would be fun i thought that'd be great for six months i wound up doing it 16 years but what I learned there was a huge amount about corporate communication. I learned about communicating with a live audience. I did TV. So there's a lot of things which I've subsequently used in my training that has really, really helped me. And we're going to talk about that in a little while about how you deal when something goes terribly wrong and how do you deal with those situations. I left that about seven years ago to resume my work in TV presenting and acting. And then suddenly got into this training side of things. I joined an organization called the PSA, who basically teamed me up with other people who are in this very similar business. And subsequently, I've now built a business where I help people communicate more confidently and more effectively, whether that be from stage, whether that's on camera, in an interview, or even on radio. And a lot of people, just like the people who are going to be watching this video, will be coming from a background of not having much knowledge. They have a great knowledge within their own field, but all of a sudden are thrust into the limelight. And that happens across the corporate world. Many of your members will be people who, even within their corporate world, they will have risen up through the ranks and all of a sudden having to be given, giving bigger presentations to people, maybe trainings, briefings, 
And in that respect, it's not that much different. So that's really what I do now is helping people to become more confident, more effective in communicating, whether it's on stage or in the media. Fantastic. So that, that's actually, that's interesting. I suppose uh, the people that are members of the, the network are experts in their own right. They know their local area really, really well. That's, that's how you get to be there. Um, but it's a matter of communicating that uh, through the different mediums, through speaking and of course through the media so let's just uh, focus on uh, doing media interviews for a second so when you're interviewing somebody what sort of things are you looking for as an interviewer well the, the first thing really is to understand what the interview is all about why have you been asked to go on camera or on radio and there are nuances of difference between the two and we'll talk about them in a while but essentially you've got two types of interview you've got a reactive interview or you've got a proactive interview now the reactive interview is going to be where you are asked to come into a tv station or maybe you've just been um, almost stopped on the street for your opinion about something or maybe it's a little bit more formal but basically you're reacting to something that has happened and that's it gives a very interesting dynamic because that's quite different to the other side where you as a civic leader will be someone who's promoting something maybe you've got a message you want to get across maybe it's in times of um, elections and you want to get your point across maybe it's something in your community where you're answering a need within that community but you want to get that across so the, the essential thing as an interviewer is you've got to know what he what he or she wants out of the interview and the first thing is to understand how long is this interview going to be quite often a news interview they'll tell you we're going to do a one minute piece it might be edited down but it'll be about a minute in reality that's about 40 seconds or maybe 45 tops because the interview will do a little introduction and then you'll have the body of the interview and then he'll do a link that may or may not be changed now if you're reacting to something you don't have to worry too much about your message what you have to do is answer the question if it's something a bit negative you might then want to bridge that question into something else and then you might want to mitigate which means you know what are you doing about the situation it might be a third party scenario where you're reacting to something that somebody else has done maybe it's something that's happened on a national level which might affect you on a local level that will have a different nuance to you as let's say a civic leader something's happened in your area and you're having to deal with it so that's the reactive side so you have to think a little bit about that and that does sometimes you don't get the opportunity to plan but sometimes you do that's sort of when the when the journalist says oh whilst you're on the phone duncan what do you think of this yeah and that's a really really good point and one of the things i would always say to people is just before an interview quickly go online look at all the top stories at the moment and especially local stories as well make sure you're relatively on top of it one of the things is again coming to the reactive interviews is think about well should i know about this because sometimes people will ask you questions and actually it's completely out of your remit it's nothing to do with anything that you would normally do and you as the civic leader for your area you wouldn't be expected to know that however if you are expected to know boy you better know it yeah 
quickly talking about the proactive interview this is lovely you are basically maybe approaching a tv station maybe approaching a radio station more typically radio and you'll say i've got a story for you and it might be you it might be your people the first thing you have to do is think to yourself are you answering a question are you solving a problem if you're not it's more difficult to get that interview so you need to have a little bit of a headline there that's going to get you through the threshold because as an interviewer the first thing i want to know is well who's interested in this why would anybody want to listen to you now obviously the reactive i'm instigating it i've got my set of questions if it's the other way around then i need to make it attractive for that news organization to want to hear my story the truth of it is that actually the majority of times and i should put this fear to bed straight away most people think oh interview it's going to be jeremy paxman oh my goodness and you start freezing 99 percent of the interviews you will undertake will not be like that the vast majority of times you're actually just filling news space and news gatherers are looking for news all the time so the chances are you're probably doing them a favor I think I think that's a really interesting point and one that's definitely worth hammering home to people because you do get nervous about being in the media you don't want to say the wrong thing you don't want to come across as stupid and you don't want to have that kind of experience of Jeremy Paxman getting on you and certainly when I was mayor I, I did a lot of interviews and they were all that's what they they wanted something to put in their paper to put on their radio show they were after trying to trying to help me get my experience and my knowledge across yeah, and I think the main thing is, coming back to the, your question about what does the interviewer want, the truth of it is the interviewer just wants an easy interview. He wants something that's going to have a message, it's going to be interesting to the audience, and maybe answers the question. So one of the things I always say, if you have the opportunity, talk to the interviewer first. People often make the mistake of saying, well, what do you want from me? Actually, twist it the other way around, say, what can I do for you? how can i help you as the interviewer that'll be quite refreshing for them because they're not used to that mm. they will they'll want to know for example um are you going to give short answers or quick answers or long answers in other words a radio interview the chances are they want to push the button get you off talking about what you're talking about and then interact periodically and we'll talk about the differences between radio and tv in a while whereas uh they might on the other hand say right can you keep it really short snappy so i don't have to interrupt you because we've got a limited amount of time so ask what you what they want from you what's the topic areas one of the things is there is a journalist code of conduct they're not going to ambush you with something completely out of the blue without pre pre-testing you first certainly if it's something a little bit challenging or a little bit um, controversial and that's not really their job you know save that for news nights and things like that it's not really going to happen to civic leaders on the whole yeah i'm sure that's probably most most times hasn't happened to you of course recently when we talk about the grenfell fire incident and things that's a very different issue that's a reactive interview where absolutely you need to know your you need to know your stuff with it but basically ask the interviewer what can i do for you how long is this going to be what are you, any questions you might not always get that opportunity but if you get a chance do so and just get a little bit of a rapport going with them it'll help you and it'll help them absolutely absolutely some really great stuff there i mean i think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to be in local journalism they're working 
uh, under an enormous amount of pressure and they've got to fill the space haven't they exactly and the truth of it is a lot of them will be pro probably quite young and relatively inexperienced so you're doing them a massive favor i mean i've been in positions where i've been interviewed as well as i'm doing the interviewing so i've been on both sides of it and it's quite interesting if you get a bit pally with them i mean not overly friendly obviously but pally with them at least you really get where they're coming from and you can really help them out i've actually almost written some people's articles for them that they've put their name to it suited me but it also suited them so you need to gauge where they're at with everything and that will really help the interview go according to plan Fantastic. So I just thought I'd, uh, I'd give you a quick scenario, something that, that has happened to uh, a lot of civic leaders that I've worked with in the past, is you get phoned up sort of out of the blue and you get asked to make a comment on something. You haven't had that chance to prepare your message or to rehearse or to really kind of build up a rapport. What's your sort of tips for, for dealing with something like that? The, 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 the top tip really is think before anything else. So, for example, if it's something you feel fairly confident on, great. Go ahead, answer the question. If you need to bridge the gaps, in other words, you know, we've, we've all seen politicians on TV, haven't they, where they've, they've done what we call hijacking the question, where they basically start off with, yeah, and I really like that point and lots of delaying techniques and things. And then they say, but I think what people really want to know is, the problem is you can't really get away with that. You expect it from the big politicians, but actually that's, people become a bit cynical about that and don't like it. So really you need to answer the question. You can steer it away quickly, in other words, to bridge it to something else you want to talk to and then mitigate it to something you want to do. That's again, if it's something that is directly concerning you. If it's something you really don't know anything about, but you think, actually, I should know about this and I need to do a bit of prep, it's just happened, I need to get, you can always come up with the, I'm really, I'm just on the other line at the moment, can, I, can you just give me two minutes, I'll call you straight back, what's your direct line number? And use a delaying tactic in that respect, just to give you that little bit of time if it is a complete ambush, especially if it's a telephone, easy to do because they can't see you, they don't know what you're doing, and therefore it's a really te good technique. And then make sure, though, that you honour that, that you do call them back within the specific. One of the things I'm very big on communication is being specific about when you're going to do something and how you're going to do it. So give them a call back, say in five minutes, you can then do your research. One of the things I would say here as well is a really good one to have is what I call an ERO. If you are a civic leader, and I'm sure many of your councils and organisations will have this already, where you have an emergency response organisation, something happens in your area, at whatever level, what system have you got in place to deal with that? Who's communicating with who? Who's organising this and who's organising that? We've got two very interesting scenarios happened fairly recently. British Airways, for example, had this massive lost luggage issue. And the CEO of British Airways didn't come on for 36 hours. A massive mistake. He should have been straight in there. Now, some leaders think, you know what, if I don't make a big thing of it, it'll go away. That's a very dangerous tactic to take, in my view. And actually, no one will criticise you for being straight there and dealing with it straight away. In fact, you'll be admired for it because you're the one carrying the can. But that's why people don't often want to do it, because they think if this person at this senior level is dealing with it and it's all gone terribly wrong, is that the person whose head should be on the block? 
we're talking extreme circumstances here, but even for small things, you need to have a response organisation to know, well, who's going to answer that question? What's our strategy of how we're going to deal with that? And that is really, really important. So then once you get into the interview, you've now got the knowledge you're not like the lady from Carphone Warehouse, so not Carphone Warehouse, a bigger part the from Talk Talk, who made that fantastic job of going straight onto the TV, straight on the radio, and then what happened? She didn't have the facts in front of her. Or we know certain politicians of late who knew what the question would be and they didn't have that information at hand. That way you completely backfire. So you should know what they're going to ask and have those facts ready and waiting. And your team around you should be furnishing you with that information so you can be prepared. So that way you're reacting to something, but you can still be prepared to react if you need to be, especially if it's a phone call. If somebody doorsteps you, the worst thing comes to the worst and just say, we will be releasing um, a press statement very shortly about this, but give us a bit more time or whatever, if that sort of happens. But it's better not to say anything than to get it wrong, in my view. But don't leave it long before you do say something, because otherwise it really does look like you're trying to formulate ideas as you go along. The truth of it is, hopefully whatever incident it is that's happened that you're having to react to, your ERO will have kicked in and you'll be fully ready and prepared to deal with that as and when it comes. That's very interesting. I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've had a lot of incidents over the summer where we've seen uh, councils and lots of organisations having to implement these emergency response plans. And I think one of the things that's really come out of it for me is that uh, when you take on a role like being a civic leader, one of the first things you need to do is go and talk to people in your council, in the comms department, find out what the plan is, find out what's going to happen if something happens. I mean, we all hope that you have a nice quiet year and you don't end up uh, on the end of a massive crisis. But I think that that point of really knowing what the plan's going to be and who, how you can be a part of it. And how, you and how much more confident you will be when you know that you have that backup. And you'll be horrified to know that actually there are organisations that don't have such a thing as an ERO. They don't have anything in place and it might be you having to put that in place. But again, what a great legacy for you to have that you have been the one with the leadership to be able to actually come up with this. But Absolutely. make sure that you have that plan. And as you said, Duncan, hopefully you'll never need to use it, but at least you have then the confidence of knowing it's there should something happen. Absolutely. I mean, I did, like you say, some organisations don't have them. Some do, and they're woefully out of date. Uh, yeah. Some do, and they can't find them. That's another favourite, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, just just the matter of the, the act of checking, I think, makes you... Uh, yeah, maybe make... run a tabletop exercise. Try yeah. it. See what happens. Get someone to phone into the council and see, see this thing in operation. It might just give you that little bit of confidence. And let's be honest, confidence is what it's all about. We've all seen speakers stand up and you just know they're not confident. But if you know you've got the support behind you, how much better it is and how much more confident are you going to feel? Because we're not seasoned politicians, most of us, who can blag anything off. To know that you've got that, that support can really help. No. Fantastic. Excellent. The other scenario I just wanted to, to touch on is if you get um, asked by somebody in the media to talk about something that you're not really confident about, that you don't 
know a great deal about. How, how do you think you could respond to that? And, and you hit the nail on the head there, Duncan, because it all depends on, is there an expectation for you to know this or not? Is there an expectation that you should be able to give a considered opinion to whatever question it is? If there is that expectation, then revert to our first type of call. If you're not, I would be quite honest and say, you know, that's not something that the council have an opinion on. That's not something that I as a civic leader have an opinion on of or however you wish to deal with it. Or the truth of it is it might be, and here's me hijacking the question. Actually, what it is, it's an opportunity for you to lead into something that you really want to talk about. So you acknowledge the answer, the question, and then you bridge it into something else that you want to talk about. And then you get into the proactive scenario and then you can talk about what, whatever it is that you want to do. So you can brush it slightly to one side. This isn't something that we would normally be involved in. Um, it's not something we leave that to um, the politicians in Whitehall or however you want to deal with it. Uh, but on a local level, actually, some of the things we're doing at the moment is X, Y and Z and off you go. So it's not too deliberately avoiding it, but it gives you an opportunity to steer it. The chance are they might even cut the interview at that time. What I would like to do is talk very quickly about the differences between TV and radio, because there's a massive difference. And radio can be your best friend. And people often don't recognise the value of radio and local radio. Number one, they're trying to fill time. Number two, it's local. And number three, people are listening to radio. Now, the great thing about radio is you can have notes with you. TV, I would try never to have any notes with you. Why? Because if, as soon as you break eye contact, people start losing confidence in you. And you should really make sure you're fully briefed. Even I, as an interviewer, when I conduct an interview, I try not to have any notes of questions. I've got it all in my head of what I'm going to ask because I want to maintain that connection with the interviewee. And it's a lot easier for the interviewee if you can do that. Radio, very different. Absolutely, you can have notes. But here's a lesson that um, has been experienced by some of the politicians this summer. Only have one piece of paper and have a piece of paper. I wouldn't rely on technology and have your bullet points. Don't have long sentences, just bullet points, key figures, key strap lines, key messages that you want and have that available. Be ready for them on radio that they will not be looking at you very often because quite often they'll be controlling the desk, adjusting sound and things like that. So you might not get that eye contact. So don't be put off by that. One of the things is your body language. People think on radio, oh, that's fine. I can just slump in the chair. Well, no, because actually that affects your voice and it affects how you come across on radio. So be as animated as you would be in a TV studio. You'll also have a lot more time. So take your time to get your message across. You'll probably have maybe five minutes to get your message across. So don't dive straight in with it. Give yourself a little bit of time. So radio can be your best friend and I would absolutely recommend you to use local radio. Great way to connect with people. Quick couple of tips about TV. Number one, be careful what you wear. Always wear plain suits, dresses, blouses, shirts, whatever you're wearing, try and keep them plain. The tie you're wearing, Duncan, perfect, but avoid the small patterns because they pixelate and doesn't look particularly good on TV. Um, and also be aware of what works for you. You know, for example, it sounds a bit obvious, but I've got fairly pale hair, so I don't wear pale pink uh, 
suits or suits, I would never wear pale pink suit, but certainly don't wear pale pink or white shirts because it just bleaches the colour out of me. So I tend to wear dark colours. Just be aware of those kind of things. Never ever green because you might be behind a green screen so they want to use it. Often they'll tell you this but it's a good idea. And in terms of what to wear, what do you feel people expect of you? So as a trainer, I train like this. I don't wear a tie very often because I want to be a little bit more relaxed and I want the atmosphere to be a bit more relaxed. So this is my kind of message point. If you're more formal, then make sure that you are um, on message with what you're wearing and then maintain your eye contact with the interview interviewer at, at all times and be as engaging. But follow his guidance or her guidance about how long the answers are and what they want from you. All right, that's fantastic. That was some, uh, some really great stuff there. Some really solid tips born out of a lot of experience. Just before we go, could you tell everybody how they can find out more about you? Absolutely. Uh, my, my company is called Present Yourself, exactly as it sounds, all one word, .co.uk. And you'll find the different courses on there. I'm also on Twitter at Present Self. And I'm also on Facebook as well. So feel free if you want any advice at any time on any form of presentation, whether it be media or from a stage or from a gala evening that you're hosting, uh, then I'd be more than happy to help. Fantastic. I'll, um, I'll put all of the links on the show notes uh, so that everybody can, can find those quite easily. Well, look, thank you very much for your time, Alistair. That was, that was really fantastic. I know you really uh, will have helped everybody enormously. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. And my final word I'd say to everybody, don't allow it to be as daunting as it may seem. The chances are in your year, you will not have to experience any real challenges, but you can actually make the media and make all of these things something that can really help you and help you during your year. So thanks very much indeed for watching. This month, our Mayor of the Month holds a very special place in the history of civic leadership. Her name is Susanna Slater, and in 1887, she became Mayor of Argonia in Kansas. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, blimey, that's quite early to be a female mayor, you would be right. She was the first female mayor elected in America, a pioneer. However, she's not what you might think of as the typical pioneer. She's not like Elizabeth Garrett Anderson, who became the first female mayor in the UK. She didn't push herself forward as such. She wasn't sort of a dynamic figure in that sense. In fact, she only made it onto the ballot for the, the office she won because somebody thought it would be a bit of a gag to put a woman on the ballot. They thought that actually the humiliating loss that she was sure to suffer would stop other women thinking that getting into politics was a good idea. So they, they put her on the ballot uh, to embarrass her and to prevent women being more involved in politics. Of course, they hadn't gambled on the women's Christian temperance movement who were a bunch of very organised and rather zealous women who got behind Susanna and used their not inconsiderable influence to get her elected. In fact, Susanna took two thirds of the vote, so she romped home. 
Now, her time in office was not necessarily that eventful. She uh, had a lot of coverage. A lot of people throughout the nation were talking about her. Some thought it was a great thing and that we should be encouraging more women to get involved in politics. Some of them were rather worried that the world would succumb to the idea of petticoat rule. There we go. She spent a year in office and uh, she did actually stand down after her year in office. Probably something to do with the fact that she had nine children. We kept her kind of busy. Now, the really interesting thing about Susanna Slater was that she was very, very long lived. She actually lived to 101. She didn't die until 1961. And I can't help but think she must have spent some time reflecting on all of the changes that she had seen in the world, going from a point where women were not even involved in politics at all to the 1960s, where civil rights were really a burgeoning, burgeoning idea in America and all sorts of people were demanding representation. I hope she also reflected a little bit on her participation in that process as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Susanna Slater, Mayor of the Month. Coming up next time on More Than a Mayor, we've got a fantastic role model for you. Dr. Carlos Timberhan, former Lord Mayor of Manchester, current advisor to Andy Burnham, generally all-round great, great guy, inspirational figure will be the big, big interview. We've also got the network news, the civic role model and media mayor. That's all hitting the airways on Tuesday, the 18th of September. So be there and remember, stay more than a change.